יש עניין שהתהפך, הכל לתודה, מצווה גדולה, להיות כמה טוב, כמה טוב, כמה טוב השם. תודה רבה לך, השם יתברך. על האמונה שאתה נותן לנו. תודה רבה לך, השם יתברך. על האמונה שאתה נותן לנו. איזה טוב השם, איזה ט
wishing to do, to do the best for uh, all humankind and especially with the Jewish people right now. We are facing now, this is the 10 days of Emet, um, 10 Amyame Aser Tshuva, the 10 days of Amser uh, Tshuva, that we are coming closer to Yom Adin, Yom Kippur. And this is the judgment day that uh, our holy Bible, Torah Dosha, just sent this this is the day that basically our main laundry and this is we have to to help to ourselves how to clean ourselves and working upon ourselves um, and to know to be a better people better human better Jewish people and better better human beings you know this is something that's very important we're talking about it all the time. And the whole idea that of the four of a kind is the show that we are trying to be um, understanding each other and believe in each other. Even we are not equal, even we are different. We are even just as a different point of view, different of uh, purpose in life. But we are still the creation of the, the Kadosh Baruch Hu, the master of universe. And we are without each other. We don't have nothing together. Always we together. When we are together, we have the ability to change our world, to work better, and love each other. And this is coming only with love, without hate, without you know what is the our creator demand for us. You know, every time that we coming to this uh, week, this period of time. I, myself, I'm talking about my personal point of view, my personal ideas, and you know, coming here, and it's take me back to the Yom Kippur. And if you see me now, right now, you see that my skin has become goosebump, and it's not simple to talk about this event or traumatic event that was for me as a young person 45 years ago yes 45 years ago I was in the Israeli Navy and we had the, the Yom Kippur war and this show right now is basically dedicated all the soldiers that gave their life on this war and other wars in Israel in order to keep Israel alive. And I would say that it's not simple to talk about this war. I remember myself 45 years ago as a 20 years old boy, child that believed in peace, believed in, I would say that uh, we all, you know, this is after this, the 70s, you know, we are love and peace movement and we had like, oh, we are equal, we have this kind of, I would say, the liberal lefty ideas of love and peace. And it's not wrong. But the wrong idea that 
we we believed in so-called human or people that didn't believe on on these ideas. Personally, I really wa- I didn't want to join the uh, the, the navy. You know, I. But I born in in Israel. I had a mandatory. Basically, uh, mandatory serving. I grew up. I study in the Navy school, and then uh, I joined the Navy. I come to a, in a certain in a certain unit, electronic warfare, radars, and all this stuff. Serving in Sinai Desert, on the top of the mountain, with a feeling that nobody can touch us. Yeah, this is, was the euphoria of the Six-Day War that uh, we, as Israeli, uh, we saw the the, 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 the huge, war, you know, the huge successful uh, war against our Arabs' uh, enemies that they tried to attack us. You know, I spoke about Six-Day War that I was, uh, I think, I was 13 years old when I was Six-Day War. And, uh, you know, this is like, was unbelievable war. We didn't look as a miracle. We looked like that. We are the Israelis. Are, we are, can do whatever we want in the region. We can successful, you know, take all our enemies like with a small pinky. And that's what the feeling. Really, this was a feeling to all of us. Everybody that joined and we said, you know, it's time maybe to, to, to create peace with the Arabs. And, you know, but we didn't take it seriously seriously that the arabs can affect us we joined the uh, the navy army, army navy and you know it was like very very peaceful time meaning that we are as a soldiers we had a great time especially in sinai if you know sinai desert and the sharma sheikh is like beautiful beaches unbelievable you know bl- deep blue uh it's you know that your art is going out you know when you sail over there on the and the red sea and you see the dolphins and the you know, all the sharks and everything especially when you're diving over there it's, it's an unbelievable world you cannot express the feeling or to you know you know I used to take after the shift the my sailboat over there and sailing in the bay over there and go outside to the o- ocean you me and the God and the ocean Sun beautiful you cannot express this you know that the feeling of the the feeling that coming and calm nothing I can do nothing nothing can affect your life we are the strongest people on the earth. We can do whatever we want. And then becomes a time that was October, the period of that the time of the holidays, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur is coming. But as a soldier, and especially as an Israel, you know that I'm talking about myself again. Most of us. Of not all of us, I would say, ninety-nine percent of the, the soldier wasn't religious. Nobody care about religious. We just want a good time, fun, you know. 
and the political sit situation was in Israel that uh, was uh, election supposed to be I think I was supposed to be in November and October it was like running all these political ads and uh, I don't know that Menachem Begin Zechon and Ehrlich become one party that basically threatened to take the, the liberal party or the Miflegit Avoda uh, to take over and it was like after um, like 30 years, 25 years of uh, control of the government in Israel and this was like a fear of, and it reminded me what happened today in America, you know, that's the, the, the liberal and the, the, there was unbelievable, you know, I couldn't believe that somebody else can take over, but they did all the, the tricks to to prevent this, you know, raising power of, I would say, the Begin, Menachem Begin, Zikron And we got, you know, the, the soldier in the border and everything, but everybody thought getting like, like, you know, that the feeling that the government want to warm up the border in order that the fifth people in Israel will feel that it's a little bit at and will be fear because all the slogans what the, the begging will bring you a war begging will bring you a war this is what the, slo the slogan begging is a f is is a, is a not reasonable person and he is like being going to be war in the end you know in 77 we saw who is who was right about it but anyway this is something that you know basically the political situation was on and then come friday afternoon in those years, 1973, Yom Kippur, Fall, and Shabbat. Friday afternoon, that uh, my unit was on, on the top of a mountain with intelligence and Air Force and the Navy. And uh, the intelligence basically told us that the Egyptian and the Syrian break the code of Muz, banana was it's Arabic word to banana that from training to real war but you know as 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 a young soldiers and not young also all the other soldier was, was so confident that nobody can touch us nobody we had a crazy night on Friday night and I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it but this is like was uh, you know, in the base, a huge party. We went, I was one of the guys, Max and Hashem Kondamo, and Eliezer, Dawn, not Dawn, yeah. We went down to the base basically and broke to the kitchen, we took over the sticks and all this stuff and brought it back talk about yes the middle of the night we come back we did our barbecue we come back we prepare you know before the, the before Yom Kippur we prepare many many things that we can unfortunately we can pass this day In the morning, 
he got up, you know, I I, ma- I I I was making sure that all the shifts is okay, that the, the guys in the shift work, you know, working. We had we had the shifts of, you know, observing so that the radars and all these uh, electronic devices. And everything was so calm. I went outside. I looked the sun. I, I, the sky was like I don't know. It was. I think it was like. About five o'clock in the morning, five six o'clock in the morning. From the top of the mountain, somehow I looked on the sky. And above me was a huge falcon that basically was floating above our unit. I, 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 you know, until today, I don't know what is what what was simple over this. What is this? But he was standing over there, the falcon about you know, like I don't know, at least at least fifteen minutes around it. What it, what are you looking over there? I don't know. Who knows? God knows. And then we can keep continue running, running, and then two o'clock, two o'clock afternoon, Yom Kippur. We basically didn't have time to even to press the siren buttons and what happened that to become like 12 Sukhoi and Topolovs coming from the side of Saudi Arabia basically comes from Tehran and starting attacking first of all it was the airport of the airport and then attacking the, the attack the the uh, anti-aircraft missiles, the Ox, and then they come to the Marshall, basically from the north to the south they come. The Air Force succeeds, succeed to basically to, to give a, a, a warning to the two phantoms that was on a, on a standby position over there as, as they discovered these aeroplanes and the two phantoms basically took off in the, in the minute that they attacked the airport. And during this, we're standing up on the mountain and watching them, these Egyptian airplanes attacking. And we saw this like, uh, one phantom basically destroyed eight airplanes on those attacking. And the other one ran away. And we're standing over there. I'm standing over there with the Uzi. With my Uzi. And I said, oh, come here, come here. Let me shoot you. Let me shoot. I, you know what? That the feeling was. That you, we have to understand that. I, I'm, I'm till today. I said, what kind of feeling that I had over there in those moments that nobody, nothing is could happen to us. We are just the strongest world, you know, and you know, and then it's two, two or five, and we're starting getting on the voice on the and on, on the communication network, starting seeing, hearing all this screaming and all this crying help for help from our friends in the north and the Suez Canal with some friend over there with some soldiers over there that basically suddenly see and I want to tell that we had a so 700 soldiers around 700 soldiers from Port Said from the top to Sharm el-Sheikh 700 soldiers 
I would say a line of like 300 miles, uh, 300 kilometers. Yes, and then you see that the Egyptian coming, the first waves, it was like 80,000 soldier Egyptian, like ants, and they're coming and coming and coming. Basically, they just bypass all the the the, the places, the Mausim, the Matso the Mausim and Tausim. The line was called Kavalev. This line was built with a big, bigger bunker and a par part and a two small bunkers. Basically, was soldiers here, like three soldiers here, three soldiers here, and a, uh, five soldiers in the middle. This was like so ridiculous, you know. And this soldier couldn't do nothing. Basically, there was bombarding by artillery and airplanes. And they're screaming to help. Nobody knows what to do. The plan, the plan of the, this idea that uh, we'll burn the uh, Suez Canal, you know, it was supposed to be a, uh, pipes that going to the Suez Canal uh, full of gasoline, uh, basically, uh, uh, inflammatory material, supposed to open the valves and release it and open it, but. Nobody checked this before the war. Nobody checked that this, this basically, these tanks was already empty because we used them to to barbecue, to take it to uh, gas for the to vehicle, to go driving all around. We we use these things, and the Egyptian commando sealed it with a cement the pipes. Even even some leftover, the commando sealed it. So nothing to do with this. And we're coming over there, and we're starting to see that uh, we hear another airplane fall down, and another airplane for our airplanes fall down. Come like, we don't know what to do, basically. I called my officer downstairs, down from the hill, and I said, listen, please send me some ammunition, some, some more people to help us stand here. We're in a very, very critical Point. This is like the control of the south of Sinai. All its air, air force and intelligence and navy. We can basically we control all this movement traffic. And what I got answer, Nesim, don't worry. Don't worry, you are in the best place. You know, they mistakenly attack the other places instead of you. And don't worry, we'll take care of it, and don't stay calm. I said, okay. And we keep like this. All this, uh, the rest of the hours, basically, until the night. With the night, we're starting getting up, putting our soldiers in a, in a defensive position. And put my soldier behind some, you know, we didn't have any bunkers, we didn't have any, just metal barrier with full of sand. And put them behind it. And then come 10 o'clock at night. You have to understand, this is like as it's almost 11 in Tishrei and the sun the sky was 
unbelievable beautiful the moon was almost full you know three quarter moon it's so peaceful but in the end in in the background you just listen to the radios and you listen to the all this what going on you don't know what what going on and then suddenly you see two lights coming close to you we saw it in the radars about 120 miles sh they shoot it from a top of and we didn't know what is this we saw a two slow movement aircraft coming towards us we thought in the beginning like it's an helicopter because we around us with a lot of helicopter commando egyptian commando helicopters moving left and right and um, we didn't know nothing that's about we we took we we took uh, a look in the in the binoculars where the big binoculars we see this two light is coming close closer closer and and they come closer suddenly they disappear from the vision not from the radars but from the vision and we didn't know what is it after we, we discovered that this was a kilt rockets missiles that basically it's like a, a MiG-15, uh, like uh, without pilot, full of loaded, loaded of explosion, about uh, I would say ton TNT explosion, and the idea that when we come closer to the to the target, basically they turn off the engine and basically glide into our the target. This is, was rather a guided rocket that basically taking you signal my signals and glide into our antenna direct it you didn't know this in the beginning but you, but suddenly after like a few seconds we found ourselves flying over I from myself find myself like my shirt is tearing apart. I would say that not much from the shirt left over from the from the from the explosion. I the split of second that I would I cannot even re recognize it or rememorize it because it's a, a some. It's, it's somehow the, my hard drive or my brain this erase it found itself down on the ground and everything started burning and screaming yelling and we starting okay what we're we doing start collect my soldiers and I remember very clear one of my soldiers come to me Avner and he told me look at my back I look at the back you know I look at his back and basically with the moonlight and all the, the flame around us 
I saw his ribs, his back's ribs. No flesh, nothing. Just white ribs. I told him nothing, nothing. They just said nothing, just a little bit wound. Just coming down. He was in a shock position. He couldn't feel any, any, any pain or nothing. You know, just we, we were always over there. Collect my soldiers. And now, the geographic location of our unit was like that we were, the Navy was the close, I would say, the, the eastern side. The Air Force was in the middle, and the intelligence was in the, in the west side, more or less, you know, just if we're talking about this. And in order to get out from the mountain, we had to go to the kind of the intelligence area. From one side, we couldn't go down because it was a cliff. This is a very narrow mountain that both sides is a cliff, very sharp, very cliff, very strong cliff. And I remember now in between us, we had the generators and the gas ta and the gas tanks of the generator. I would say like uh, was, if I remember right, is like th a huge amount of gas t for the generators. You know, I would say I don't remember exactly, but uh, at least at least five. Five great tanks of diesel, what do you call it, diesel. We come over there. And this has become like a huge fire. And I took my soldier, and this was like in between us and the, the Air Force unit. And I start pushing my guys, and I said, run, run, run. I push one after one after one after one. And as I looked at them running in between the fire, and this is a narrow road, I would say it was like maximum, maximum was like 10 feet wide. Because we used to do the command, the, the, the vehicle over there, coming, bringing supplies to us. And I look at this, I look at them, and I remember that as a soldier, as a, we used to do stupid things. We used to take the catch mice and, and the traps and light, put gasoline on them and let them run. Very cruel, yes, I know. And I felt exactly the same situation. It's right, right, right now, we are the mice here, we're running into the fire. We come to the Air Force, we start over there, become collecting all our people, and then starting to see that, yes, we're missing from the Air Force. We're missing Max, missing Eliezer. We're missing Kobe, and another Kobe, and Eliezer, and, and Doron. And we hear screaming also from the cliff down. It was over there one guy that a miracle F from the from the power of the explosion. Basically, that's what happened. The flow that they, they basically 
pushed away from the mountain outside. But Itamar, yes, I remember his name, it's 45 years, was hanging on a cliff on his belt and basically screamed for help. And nobody could help him, nights, nothing. We started to collect our people, Air Force, and we lost any all the communication basically between the base down and a base you know here. The only things that I would say that's left over there was a small walkie walk, walkie talkie that was connected to the airport uh the the uh, the runway air tower control the air the air to control and from there this is what like walking like like a, a broken telephone lines and to many times we heard that the the Egyptian commando is basically climbing up to catch us we uh, as as i said before this unit was a very highly highly um, classified unit uh, from all the you know the air force the, the intelligence and the navy and it was like equivalent somehow to the hormone in the nose what the Egypt, what the assyrian coat was very very classified and basically the what we heard that the commando the egyptian commando is basically trying to catch us alive and take us as, as a prisoner to catch all the, the information what they have over there in the meantime we they arranged that the air force didn't have much power that they come become a phantom that will be basically spread or will will create kind of barrier between us and the commando and we're standing in front of the gate basically in the entrance of this base is not almost no gate nothing over there there's a small rope and we we almost no weapons almost we're standing over there lying down on the ground and this phantom starts spread shooting his fire with a volcano i don't know you know this cannon a volcano it can shoot six thousand bullets a minute and the minute that you are you hear this kind of power you don't know you know just something that in automatically is coming down basically like 20 meter like 60 what do you call 20 meter like uh, it's like 60 feet from you and open a fire between us and supposed to be the Jedi the Egyptian commando and go back and every time that he's doing it all of us was screaming like you don't know why but there's something like from you inside of your body because the scream of this cannon is like you, 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 you cannot you cannot you just unless you hear it unless you hear it you cannot even describe this kind of sound one of power we can collect ourselves again come come 
And then we add uh, tanks coming close to us. Tanks, basically. And we what we saw, basically, it's Russian tanks. T-55, T-54, and T-55. Um, and we didn't know what is it. Because if it's, it's Egyptian or Israelis, because the Israeli, uh, we, we took it. Uh, from Six Day War, and we converted to Israeli tanks. It's called Tiranim. But uh, a year ago, year before, it was like Miftah Avivim that the Israeli went to Egypt with the same trick. They took these tanks and put in the in the loudspeaker in Arabic voices, and that's how they did penetrate to some secret bases in Egypt. And took over there a lot of information, so we thought it's the same. It's a repeat pattern from the Egyptian to us. In the meantime, we just move close to the, the to, to the left <laughs> over of the base, and we stood over. There. We basically we lying over there because everyone that move over there, we get shot shot from their tanks. And this. Attack, so-called attack. Another two uh, soldiers died, and we found basically that this is Israeli tanks that come to save us. Now, they this this it was a reserve duty soldiers that went over there. They were scared to death because to go to a mountain. And then you have a command, Egyptian commander around it, you know, just with a small RPG, with small mm, weapon, you just kill, you, you just kill them. It's not it's not easy to come, to. and it's a big big climb over there. It's not something that you can go backwards or something. This is a very very sharp, high mountain and uh, a very no narrow road to go over there. So they was afraid that we are the commandos of the Egyptian. And because and now, in between this mess of this miscommunication, because the we had the, the air force and the air force that connected the the Mifsaim of fear, Mifsaim of fear, Mifsaim marshal, Mifsaim marshal to the to the to the tanks. It like everything until you coming closer to this. Uh, until we just uh, come like in a, a kind of conclusion that we we going and the meantime that we are basically basically you know lying down and screaming we are jewish we jewish which screaming shema israel i don't know why we're screaming this but you know we are jewish we are shema israel i am and then the 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 idea was that we're coming out with a white flag, you know. We basically we take one of our uh, t not t-shirt, you know, the, the A-shirt, you know, this gufia, and put it out. And okay, then then we start talking and collect all our broken pieces. I would say, see what who is dead, who is wounded, and all this stuff collecting. And. Uh, Basically, we start, you know, I remember that uh, I supposed to take the, the, the you know, 
the emergency vehicle. I studied of the emergency vehicle, and that night before, we, me and Max basically stole it and went to the, to, to the base down, and I, I, I couldn't. And I knew that Max is not with us. I myself suffer from a little bit burns, some kind of ear loss. And they took us down. They took us down to that. Um, basically, it was 2 o'clock at night, even more. I come to the, to the mesh down. And then in the mesh, again, everything is like so hectic, so crazy because nobody knows exactly what, who is going, who is life, who is not life. And I repeat, this is only my point of view, myself, that's right, what, what I, you know, that I saw, what I, I had the experience over there. And then I met the doctor over there, one of the doctors that was very close to our, you know, was coming to our unit and talking about, you know, I wouldn't mention his name. And he didn't, he was a, and, and we, st we also we saw some Egyptian wounded. And he didn't want to take care of this Egyptian. And I myself wanted to shoot them. I tell you, that it was like, it was like one moment and I thanks God I didn't do it. And They took us to, basically to the, even without, na you know, question, nothing, they put me on an airplane with all the other wounded and sent me to Tel Shomer. I come to Tel Shomer and I couldn't stay over there. And you, you have to understand that my clothes wasn't clothes anymore. It was like, the shirt was like, Almost nothing. Bl a lot of spat of blood. A lot, you know, just. I look like uh, I don't know what refugees. And from the Tel Shomer, I just took a ride. It wasn't far far from my house. I just I want to say to my parents that I'm alive and to see what's going on over there. In the meantime, in the meantime, our neighbor and my, my parents' neighbors, uh, you know, the one of the one of our neighbors was serving in the in, in the base down and so what is it? And they, according to them was like a huge mushroom above our mountain because the explosion all this stuff that nobody and everybody start to rumor you know the rumor oh that, that the Egyptian took us and they killed everybody on the mountain and nobody stay alive now my neighbors you know saw my parents and they didn't want to talk with them you know just everybody else and I am come home Looking at the door, and I see my parents. I don't know their reaction, but I 
I said, I must go back. My brother come from England they said exactly the same week before the war. So I said, Ehud, come, let's go back. My other brother was already in the in the in the reserve. Ehud, you must go back. We must fight. We don't have any power over there. I took him, took the went to the the airport, Lord Airport, what's called Ben Gurion Airport today. And went one of the flight to Sharm Sheikh. Come to the to the base. And basically trying to contribute what I can do. My brother couldn't do much, but the only thing that I would say that uh, I remember loud and clear is it's something that lifetime you cannot f forget this life money was getting information that they at top love with gas nerve is going to spray on us on the base we went to basically everybody went to the bunker the main bunker over there and here become the chaos and I'm telling you this moment you see the human nature because that giving you the ma gas masks and people starting like with all the respect like animals just everybody get grab the gas mask didn't want to leave it you know and and we start people said give it away give it more give it to the people inside the bunker the people giving it to the people inside the bunker give it to the girls give it to the sol the lady soldiers and i couldn't take it you know just uh, i went out and Baruch Hashem we found this top of love continue continue further no scout continue to the elat and then turn over and come back and nobody knows what exactly why they didn't do it who knows after this I, I I basically told my brother I'm continue to the north I went to basically I took a, a, a vehicle that go to a tour from a tour to Rasuda and Rasuda over there uh, we already it's like it's a weekend in the war yeah, so there was a water in Rasuda, and then we went over and I crossed the the Red Sea. That uh, no, Mifat Soets, the Soets Bay to Shadwan, not Shadwan. I'm sorry, the Ardwan. And I'm sorry that if the names just now jumping is 45 years ago, you know, the the, the mountain over there. And then come back. That's. This is basically uh, why I'm talking about it. Why I'm talking about this traumatic event. What is this all about? And uh, I, I just, you know, I had to talk about it first of all for my friends and the soldier that died over there. And the friend that stay alive, 
but didn't get over. And I want to mention one of them is Avi Tomer. Basically, that I, I, I really hope that I see what is progress in the last five years. Unbelievable. And even it's 40 years. About three years ago, yeah, three years ago, I got a text through the messenger. The question, a name of Avi Tomer. And the guy basically asked me if I was in this mountain. So I look at the picture, I look at the name, and I said, I told my wife, I know, I think this guy he was my soldier, a young soldier, but he came after the war. And I, so I, I, I decided, I, I texted him back, I said, yes, I think, that I, I asked him if he was my soldier and if he was after the war. His response was very, very quick and unbelievable response to all the love. And it was like this. I was your soldier, but I wasn't after the war. I was during the war. And he refreshed my memory because it became like a week or two weeks before the, the war to my unit. And basically... He was the, I would say, the only one that uh, the second, the two people did, basically, Yaakov Mutsafi and Avitoma, that didn't get, I would say, physically damaged. And it was unequipped, you know, there was a very, very fresh boy. I think it was like more, not more than six months in the, in the, in the army, in the Navy. And he told me, his response was like this. I was in the cursed night over there. I, I, so I called him, I, I, I picked up the phone, I called him, I said, hi, tell me what, what, what's going on. And then discover, basically, that is basically carrying the war 40 years. And oh, he wrote me that, oh, he, before this, he wrote me, I'm looking for you almost 40 years. I, I, I didn't know how to react. That's why I called him and I said, what's going on? They told me that what happened after the the night, the cursed night. That's why you know it's it's, it's term. Layla Aru, as basically he. We, 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 I would say that was my mistakes also part of this. That I forgot. That I forgot to basically. To check, you know, he was, he was, he was unwounded. He was, uh, and I, I, we didn't evacuate him. He stayed over there. He, 
stay over the mountain without nothing, no food, no water, in a burning situation that he doesn't know what to do. He become I would say they got like a ghost town and beside this in the same the same day, you know, after they took us, they tried to take out Itamar from the cliff that was hanging over there. Every time that was you saw a helicopter, everybody was so paranoid, paranoid because you couldn't take him take him without helicopter. Only helicopter could save him. So every time that you saw the, the saw helicopter in the air, the people would start shooting, and you have to come down and to take this is Israeli uh, aeroplane trying to uh, uh, helicopter trying to take in the end they success, successful to take him. It was in the daytime. And a miraculous that Itamar survived. He had a broken neck, broken you know, jaws. Uh, unbelievable. It was like almost 12 hours hanging over there on a belt, on a cliff, and survive. Unfortunately, the other ones didn't. So... I would say that Avi, Avi Tomer, basically stay over there wondering about it. And I, I, you know, I cannot, I cannot describe his feeling because he, 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 you know, he, he become like a zombie. And then, uh, that is, then the, the another another officer come here, saw him, and basically after two days over there in the mountain, they took him down to the hospital. And f and and I would say that from my memory, was like something that he was erased from my memory. I don't, I didn't remember him. I didn't remember nothing about him because I, it somehow it disappeared, evaporates in my eyes. I personally went back and insist to go back to my unit and to rebuild it. I rebuilt it the unit. We we operated back even you know that the, the what you call the psychiatrists and all these people said to me no. I said you cannot take me here unless you take me force. And and thanks God I did it because this is like my like conclude my 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 things, you know, of, of the war. And besides this, we had like months after the war where the situation that could be leading again to a war was a standby. My guys, my guy called me and said, listen, I see it was like a rocket. We see it in the, and, and during, we see the radar, we see it coming close to us. So we knew exactly what to do now because we, we train ourselves now. We have to shut off the radars. You have to move the, 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 the signal from here. You know, all these kind of the tricks that you learn from your experience. And I saw the guy 
Yaakov Mutsafi, unfortunately, you know, he couldn't move. He couldn't move. He was like frozen. He come. He was the 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 other guy that I, I I we took back to the unit. And I gave him to slap in the face and said, "Move, move." And we eyed in a certain place that you know, and waiting it like a few minutes, so that uh, nothing happened. And then it was like uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, diagnostic racket they want you know checking our our uh signals or stuff like this you know some kind of uh electronic uh racket and after this case i i recommended that we 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 take out a uh, uh, yakov to the nose today he has enough he had enough I myself asked to move after we re I built rebuilt the unit back. I removed to to nose to go on this. This is my my story here yeah, in the war of this. But I'm telling you, the the reason that I'm talking about besides you know I'm talking about oh with Avi Tomer that he basically struggled in the last forty years in between uh, uh, mental hospitals and coming back and got all this nightmare come back to him and he couldn't operate. What I see now today that basically is much better, much you know, is a um, much happier person, Baruch Hashem. But this is not the only one that suffer post-traumatic, uh, uh, you know, a, a idea from the war. I know that some ladies from the unit couldn't look at the sky at night because they was afraid to see the shooting star. That's like to remind them uh, the rockets. Why I'm talking about it is because what happened to us? As Israelis, I never realized, you know, we, I would say they finished the war, we successful to push them away, we felt that we again, we're doing, we did it, and we didn't know the miracles, and the, the, the I would say the highly authority, that watch us on top of us, that God basically saved us. You couldn't, you could be blind not to see it. And I, we, I was blind. Take me many, many years to understand, to try to understand what happened over there. To understand that why the Egyptian army stopped after the line, like, I've almost before Refidim, 25 kilometers from from the from the channel, and nobody could stop them, and they stopped. And why they the, the Syrian army that stop on basically the edge of the mountain Golan that they just nothing has stopped them just go down to Tiberias and take out. What is it? When you hear the description of the officer of the the, the Egyptian or the, uh, the the Egyptian said, oh, there was a there was a, there was a thread of trap that the Israelis are so easy to go penetrate that now they're afraid that they, they will trap them and uh, destroy them in in a different location, and uh, the 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 commander of the Syrians said that he saw angel from heaven from sky, telling me stop. And he stopped. 
But we didn't want to believe in this. As, as till today in Israel, we have the feeling that we are the biggest, the strongest, and we have this, and we don't, we don't need some kind of interfere from heaven. We have everything. But it's illusion. To look at Israel map right now, and you see that we are surrounded with, with all these enemies around us. And still existing and still flourish and this is only things that you can deduce it's a miracles to me to myself what happened after the war after the army after the navy i went all over i started looking around you know went to the university go back and i was in some one of the lefty university in the world the liberal university but i would say one of the the creepy liberals university that well, uh, even even one time was one of the Shalom Akshav leaders uh, was was over there learning of the, all these people that you know just and I was anti-religious I was you know coming look at this you know what we what to talking I look I looked about different religious I was in the Guru Maharaj I was in the in the Christianity I was in a Muslim I was living in a village Arab village I I, I looked around it I didn't happen it that this basically this place and this being Jewish is was a, a, a I would say the duty to be here took me many many years and today when you face it we're coming here to America and be part of the American society I see here the 72 to 78 percent we have assimilation People don't realize, we don't realize what is to be a Jewish. What is all, what our the duty in this universe? Why God put us here in this place from the beginning to be a light for the nations? Yes, it's not easy to be Jewish, but also it's a huge privilege to be Jewish. And you can, I can see it every day. I can see it every day that there are so many people that are not not Jewish want to come in. They, unfortunately, we see that the movement that the Jewish. Okay, I'm a Jewish in the art. I don't have, but this is not the idea. I was part of this. Leave me alone. I know what it is. I know what it is. I didn't know nothing. I'm telling you. Even I grew up in a, in a so-called Masotic house. My father, rest in peace, was from Shabbat. But I, we didn't know, we did, we didn't, you know, we, we lived in a society that always was against the religious. You know, if it's a media, if it's, if it's a university, if the, if the, you know, even the army, we just, what, give me a little break. I born Jew, so what can, what is, you know, to drive in Shabbat, this, this is all the, these toys, the primitives, they don't know what they're doing, it was to, to be, Tough to work, you know, they're driving Shabbat or light, light a, a light in the Shabbat. It was a work to start fire and this. I didn't understand this. That all this idea of being a Jewish is basically follow the Chachamim, follow the rules, being part of the these commands, being part of the Torah, that what the obligation, what the Torah requires from us. That's why I'm talking about right now about this. I'm talking to all my friends, I'm talking about to my siblings, to my to my close relatives in, in, in Israel, to my friends in, in Israel. That's right now stacking in in their point of view 
of oh we knows what is this we know we have been all these that team all these religious people are is scavengers and they're not trustful you know they're stealers i know these stories these anti-semitic slogans but when you are really realize and you want to learn about this and you see that what happened in the media what happened in the last i would say 200 years on the general look that everything broke and people stopped being loyal some be, be people don't understand what to be a royal family what the obligation to be a jewish because they wanted to imitate other nations and we gave our life our people our our this to be uh, all this the jewish existing only because these fanatic people fanatic people that gave their life to keep the torah this from the single mitzvah to the other the, the, the other mitzvah they kept the life over there to keep the life that you know giving the life only to keep the, the mitzvot and we know the stories we know the holocaust we know the, the uh, spanish ex, uh, uh, exile we know everything ex name it whatever it is it's not the people that broke down and left their religions we are here 3400 years after Kmatan torah after we received the torah in mount Sinai, only because of these people that gave lives because they are jewish and fulfill the mitzvot that's my message my message is to basically to keep continue working Hashem in the fully requirement you know and fully working with our hachamim, with our sages that they knew what they're doing they know how to follow this they know how to put the rules they know how to put the fences in order that we will stay the Jewish the door is open all the times yes the door is open to outside and inside and you can see it but I cannot accept a people that calling themselves to Jewish and bending the rules in order to their you know the order their benefits uh, if you're talking about the reform the conservatives and some even has uh, some Hasidut that okay they're talking about and yeah, I am accepting but you cannot teach other people other Jewish people that it's okay God will forgive you God will do yes God is very forgivable but also he give a laws and you cannot open a car um, a, you know a, a valet parking to a synagogue in Yom Kippur or Shabbat because you claim oh, okay it's better that will they will come with a car and listen to the Torah I'm sorry to tell you this is wrong you're teaching your people wrong you basically you up you, you uproot all the Chachamim everything you don't you don't throw them out yes don't provide them and don't tell them the stories tell them the truth about Mechalel Shabbat tell them the truth what is the what is all about punishment telling that the God didn't draw the Torah in order to erase it and like you see now that the, the marriages between 
took gender that the same gender that is with 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 blessing of rabbis so called rabbis this is unbelievable hypocrisy this is the you rest the torah and we know the torah is without one word that we erase one letter in the law is a pasul, is wrong, is not kosher. The whole idea that the has kept us here is because we sticked, stick on these rules. And suddenly you find some so-called rabbis, or the political rabbis, that come, oh, it's okay, don't worry, come here. They say, no. You want to pull people, come and bring them. To talk to them, explain them, but don't give them a wrong ideas because in the minute you give them a wrong ideas, it's dead. You finish, you grow a, a, I would say a rotten tree, a crooked tree. You're giving everything to, to break down. And this is basically my message to you. I would say that uh, I, I'm going to finish, conclude. I want to th thank you to all of you. Thank you for the listeners. Thank you for all the people that basically uh, see us and watch us. And I want to thanks to all of you. And I would say that I, I will ask forgiveness from all of you if I offend somebody uh, through the, the years, through the year. And Be'ezrat Hashem, we will see with Baser Be'ezrat Ovot and all the years and are coming to and I would say that I finish here with uh, the song of Ishai Rivo Lashuba Baita to come on back home to Avinu Sheba Thank you.